In the world of academics, too, I mean, like when you're in university, it's like, oh, sorry, I got a midterm next week, like I can't go out or I got to study today or I have this project due. But for us, it's it's not relatable to most people. So they wouldn't yeah. understand, hey, I got to watch four hours worth of YouTube videos on how to run <laughs> Facebook ads. Is just yeah. Welcome to Start Yours, a podcast by Obolo about starting your own thing, whether that's a business or a side hustle, or perhaps you're thinking about changing your day job. Whatever your goals, we've got you covered. I'm Alicia McCormack, and today I'm bringing you an episode hosted by my colleague David Vranikar. We first aired this episode last year, and it features two friends from Vancouver, Rodney and Corey, who were borderline embarrassed to be even launching their own business. Before they found success, and boy, did they find success, they were basically tiptoeing around the topic with family and friends. They'd politely decline offers to hit up bars and and instead, they'd go home and spend their nights lurking on Reddit and consuming hours upon hours of YouTube tutorials, learning all about how to start their own business. Soon after, they launched their fantasy game store and they cleared hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue. Lucky for us now, they're not being as secretive anymore. And in this episode, Rodney and Corey share their best drop shipping and e-commerce tips from choosing the niche to deciding their target audiences, they walk us through how their entrepreneurial mindset made them different from the rest. If you're enjoying the show, then make sure you hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a rating and review. And if you have an episode topic or a theme that you'd like to share with us, or perhaps you're running your own thing, maybe you've got a side hustle, an e-commerce store. We love to hear from merchants and learn more about how you're running your business. All you need to do is hit us up at podcast at obelo.com and we may feature your idea or your business on the show. There's a lot to learn today, so let's head to David's interview with Rodney and Corey. You guys have talked about how there was uh, this sense among your your family and your friends that trying to start your own business was kind of kind of an unusual concept and like maybe even a little bit more than than unusual, like to the point that people were thinking it might be a little bit uh, on the on the risky or, or, or dumb side. What were you uh, feeling in, in, in these days before you launched the store or maybe shortly after you launched uh, your, your business and kind of the, this perception that what you were doing was kind of radical? I feel like we've kind of experienced that our whole lives because yeah. we've been both pretty out there kind of people with our ideas. We have a big vision, I guess you'd say. Yeah. So our, we always come up with crazy business ideas or crazy ways to make money or just... They're just big ideas in general. Like, yeah. you know, kind of moving from that first point of everyone goes, on vacation for two weeks a year to an all-inclusive in Mexico and they spend their two weeks off there and for us we're like wow we want to go somewhere else and you know Costa Rica why don't don't we go try a a different thing and so from that point on I think our our world opened up because you met a guy that got into drop shipping Um, I had been at home by that point and then I met a friend who explained it to me briefly and then kind of connected after that and we're like we got to try this together yeah i actually shared a cab with a guy in costa rica on the way to the airport and he started to explain the drop shipping business model to me and uh, i started just writing down notes on my phone and this was probably two or three years ago now and i researched it a bunch when i got home and then after that i I guess life kind of got in the way and i left it on the the back burner but um corey started talking to me about it again and then we started to try it yeah and i guess some test stores from there yeah and then just to go back to your question um how did we deal with the kind of 
The haters. The haters. Yeah, yeah. That, was, yeah. that was when we... That was one of the most difficult things that yeah. we kind of uh, encountered at the beginning just because um, where we're from, like, this is not a traditional job at all or, like, a business model that people are even aware of. Uh, so to kind of combat that, it was difficult at first because we didn't really want to tell people what we were doing just because we were scared of the backlash and we didn't want to have that kind of negative social stigma towards us. A lot of people, you know, they like to see you do well, but not better than them at the same time. So, you know, for us to kind of push forward with what we were doing, we didn't want to have to deal with the mental and social aspect of that. So for us, it was easier to keep quiet. And uh, I, I guess when we first started, like we ended up going to Asia for you know, four or five months. But when we were testing a bunch of stores out, we kind of had an excuse of, oh, we don't want to go out and spend money. So we would stay at home and work on this kind of behind the scenes and practice learning how to, you know, use Shopify and Oberlo and find products. But then yeah, build Instagrams. Yeah, build Instagrams. And then then we ended up taking off for those months and then, you know, didn't really do a whole lot. Um, no, we were actually we were trying to do like a YouTube travel uh, vlog. Yeah. Okay. But an, uh, early, an early hustle. Yeah, yeah. We quickly realized that video editing while we we're moving that frequently was not uh, possible. Yeah. So we just kind of stuck around with the Instagrams and doing research. And then uh, when we got home, ended up deciding, okay, now is for real. Like, let's do this for real. And that's when things did start getting busy. And that's when we had to kind of come up with excuses for why we weren't able to make it out or come hang out day uh -huh. in and day out in yeah. friends' basements or going out to the bar or, you know, going to these events. And yeah. Which we still tried to make them as much as we could but at the same time it was just one of those things where it's like we needed to be fully in this and fully dedicated yeah. to it and to explain it to people that we're busy like from when the time that we wake up to the time that we go to bed is kind of difficult for people to comprehend when it's not a traditional job or uh, education that you're yeah because it was all self-taught I mean there's courses out there you can buy but you know at the time we didn't want to spend the money on those and and you know we bootstrapped the entire thing so we would scour YouTube for like any bits and pieces of information we could get we'd be watching three-hour videos to pull out a couple minutes of information uh -huh. and then going through those multiple times, um, reading blog post after blog post, reading Reddit forums, uh, any any type of information we could get. And it's like, yeah, you're busy. And people understand, okay, yeah, when you're working, you're busy, but they think you're off at 4 p.m. or 5 p.m., you know, you're the rest of your evening, what are you doing with? But we couldn't really explain to people. It's not that you know, we have a salaried position anymore, let alone that no one knew we were even working on this. So it was kind of yeah. just us saying like, oh, sorry, we can't make it, but not really having an excuse or, or trying to deflect the, the questions for the whole time. Right. You didn't want to say you had some stuff to read on Reddit. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. It's just a hard way to explain that you're busy. Uh -huh. Because in the world of academics too, I mean, like when you're in university, it's like, oh, sorry, I got a midterm next week. Like I can't go out or I got to study today or I have this project to you. But for us, it's... It's not relatable to most people. So they yeah. wouldn't understand, hey, I got to watch four hours worth of YouTube videos on how to run Facebook ads. It's just, yeah. it's kind of a weird way to explain. Or like uh, figure out this one piece of like code that's screwing up with our website and like, yeah, going anywhere and everywhere you can on the internet to try and figure out how to do it yourself. Because I mean, we like to solve problems and being a drop shipper or entrepreneur is all about literally just solving problem problems, solving, right? Yeah. That's all you got to be able to do is it's like, a, it's a living puzzle that's yeah. always expanding and evolving. So you have to be continually kind of working with that and 
kind of addicted to solving that problem. So yeah, I guess the addiction kind of overcame for us and we were like, you know what, this is exactly what we want to be doing. Like we're, if, if there is something to get addicted to, it's to learn how to work for yourself and critically think for yourself and uh, build you know, yourself build, as an build asset. Build yourself as the asset is kind of our philosophy. I think it's interesting to talk about it in terms of, of addiction. And that's something that that sort of language or that sort of idea is something that, that we've heard before that people just get hooked on it, that there's something real you know, real sticky about this idea that, you know, I could build this thing myself and then Definitely. launch these ads myself. What, for, for you guys, what were the, the addictive aspects where it was, you know, you were doing all this work that might've sounded really unglamorous, but for you, it was, you know, you couldn't get enough of it. So to kind of start off, um, I don't know if this is the best way to do it, but it worked for us. We actually bought Apple watches just to <laughs> get the Shopify ping to it. So it was kind of like a dopamine rush that yeah. we were instantly getting. So it, it made the like 14 to 15 hour days when you're just working on your computer all day, a little bit more worthwhile or kind of, uh, it would reinforce what you're doing it for and like that it's actually working. So for us at the beginning, that really helped. But, um, for now, like we've completely shut off our notifications and we're, we started to realize like that hit us in a more emotional way and we are reacting too emotionally. So now we've just kind of analyzed the data and go off of that. But yeah. at the beginning, that was kind of the addiction, I guess. Yeah. That Shopify ping. That and like just browsing AliExpress is pretty fun at the same time. Uh, like yeah. You never know what you're going to come across. There's so. no end to it. No, <laughs> yeah, there's exactly. no end to AliExpress. So like being able to do that and, and then saying, oh, we could add this, we could add that. And then, you know, trying to go through the process of figuring out how to get the product and like whether it's going to show up on time, what does it come in? You know, what's the quality assurance like on this? Um, and but like it's I, I just the foresight of building a business and building like a machine that would work for you. And it was, it was almost like yeah. your baby, like your child. Yeah. Right. So and, you know, constantly creating new content and coming up with ideas to expand the store. You know, we're passionate about building business and solving those problems. We're not necessarily passionate about, you know, the things that we sell, um, because for us, the emotional aspect is way too strong to overcome when you get too involved like that. Like we know people who refuse to try a new store or a new item because they're so emotionally Emotionally attached attached, to what they're selling. Uh, and we see that as a problem, right? Like, you know, you, you see a lot of people that get into that because of addiction um, and whatever your vice is, right? But for us, it's the process of creating something that works for us on the side when we're sleeping. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and just the information involved with um, creating it to a point where like you're continually adapting with the information that's needed to build this into yeah. something. We're, we're learners. We're not studiers, right? Like yeah. I hated studying in university. I mean, most people Absolutely, do because a lot yeah. of the stuff you learn is either outdated or not really relevant to 2019 or 2020 right. or the future. And yeah. for us, it's like, Oh, how much more information and new software can we come across? Like we, we are constantly browsing the internet for new new ideas, new software, new yeah. new ways to implement things. And that's where it really comes in. I and that's where we really have a lot of fun. Yeah, I think that definitely played a huge factor too. just the it was so instant. It was so instantaneous. Like all the information that was needed was um, it was live almost right. You're searching, you're scouring the internet for this information. And it's stuff that's like with technology on a day to day, it changes, right? So stuff that was working for us, say like a week ago or a month ago or two months ago, it could not be relevant today. So it's just continually having to expand your knowledge and kind of increase your uh, problem solving skills to get to the point where you can create this masterful puzzle. 
Yeah. And, and that builds us up as the asset, like we said, right? Like that's our whole philosophy. Mm-hmm. Like what can we provide for ourselves? Cause we're the ones running it, right? right. Like we don't have outside input. We have a mentor at home that kind of helps us with the uh, overall business side of things, but mm-hmm. he's yeah. in his sixties now, like this He's not, you know, attuned to the internet like we are. So it's good to get his perspective on things. But for us, it's like, okay, it's up to us to learn this. No one's going to teach us. There's no e-commerce course at university that's really relevant to doing the higher level things that we're at now. So, you know, you got to just come up and think for yourself. We talked with somebody recently who uh, he pulled the trigger on dropping out of school and going all in on e-commerce when he was taking a marketing class from some you know, somebody with a PhD or some doctor, yeah, he was right. just sitting there thinking, man, this, this lady has never run a Facebook campaign. No, like, yeah. there's no, it, it, was, it was crazy. I was actually in the same position. So I was in uh, marketing at university as well. And I dropped out just because I had the same kind of epiphany where this lady didn't have any clue what she was talking about. And I'm like, this lady doesn't even know what Snapchat is, what right. Instagram is, or like she barely knows what Facebook is, let alone running Facebook advertisements. So I got to that point where I was paying thousands of dollars and I'm like, why am I paying this stuff when I can learn um, the more efficient information from a kid on YouTube that's like 20 years old yeah. and learn yeah. it in 20 minutes to an hour versus a full semester. Rodney right? had to run like a search engine optimization uh, class or like a project and yeah. did you end up getting like last in the course? Yeah, we, we had this, um, <laughs> what's it called? Uh, uh, simulation. We had this simulation in our marketing class uh, running Facebook advertisements um, and Google or um, email campaigns. And I actually came like, I think it was last or second last in the class. Yeah. <laughs> and I started to realize, I'm like, this stuff is so irrelevant because I thought I was running good, good campaigns at the time. But uh, it was just, it was solely based off of this, this program that was, you're forced to pay for and just based off no real like data. Yeah. And now we're ranking number one for mm-hmm. our domain name. Like we've taken down the competition that's similar um, or had like a very, very similar domain name and have been around for a while. So we're like, yeah. look at us now, right? Like it's, yeah. it motivates you to, uh-huh. to see like, okay, I was in this position at one point and like, I'm being judged by someone that's not even doing what I'm yeah. doing. Like how, yeah. who gives them the authority to, to say, yeah, you're doing well or you're not doing well, right? Like if you're making money and making it happen and working for yourself, like yeah. that's, that's the ultimate win. Especially when it's reflective in your grades or I guess if you're pursuing higher education, like it, it applies to getting like a master's degree or something as well, which is, <laughs> it's kind of annoying to, yeah. to deal with, right? Yeah. Yeah, there was a guy, um, Ryan, who's in a, an earlier episode of the of the podcast, and he was saying that uh, he had a high school teacher who who said, you know, if you don't go to college, then you're going to end up, you know, working at a McDonald's. And right. So now, you know, now Ryan's doing like all this cool digital nomad stuff. He's running, you know, he's, he's sold stores, running new stores, and so he yeah. uh, said his dream is to franchise a McDonald's yeah. and yeah. invite the teacher yeah. over. Well, to yeah, it's exactly. funny you say that because like you know we go on Reddit all the time, and of course we like to to browse just the random subreddits and the homepage and whatnot. But we're seeing people that have master's degrees in America who are working at Walmart yeah. Yeah. or fast food, and it's like you know you've been sold this. I don't know, I guess lie your entire life that education is the answer. And yeah, yeah, education is the answer, but it doesn't mean you have to pay a quarter million dollars to attain that or tens of thousands of dollars in Canada to attain that. Yeah, the system's kind of flawed because people get that mindset of education is the answer and you'll get your degree and you'll be set and ready to go. 
and they kind of turn off their minds after they attain that that pedigree. Yeah. But it's it's more so continual education that will bring you success. And then right? there's been wage stagnation over like the last 30, 40 years. Like a friend of ours back home is working in a position where I started this job like five years ago in the summer as a student and I was making, you know, like $27 an hour to start. Uh, and, and then he got the job this summer and his wage to start was like 23 or $24. Okay. It's not going the right direction. Not going no. the right direction. Yeah. And you know, the cost of living is increasing yeah, and Vancouver, purchasing power is decreasing. Your, yeah. Your purchasing power is decreasing. The cost of living is, is like skyrocketing. Um, you know, in, and in Vancouver in general is kind of a phenomenon in Canada being like way, way, way overpriced. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Toronto as well is, you know, artificially priced because of a lot of the foreign investment. So got to the point for us of like, you know, if we're making a salary of this much money, is that really going to be sustainable for us? Like, are we even going to be able to buy a house here? Are you going to be able to get a mortgage? Yeah, we were just, we were looking at, is this, is this going to be worthwhile for us in the long run, especially when we're working in an industry where we have the ability to move or work uh, remotely, right? So Mm -hmm. we wanted to take advantage of that. And that's kind of, yeah, where we're at now, just searching for places to go where we can have the lifestyle that we want to enjoy um, with just Wi-Fi and the accessibility yeah. of the internet where yeah. we can that's work. All right? it, that's all you require. That's your office. That's, that's our office. office. Yeah. 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 So you guys did something cool to kind of hone in on what sort of products you wanted to sell, and that's to you know using social media as a, I don't know if market research is the right term, but you know, use social media to kind of figure out uh, what were the the niches with the most interest, and mm-hmm. what are what are some things that um, collect data to see what are some things that you might be able to sell. So a lot of the time we talk about how you know you find a product and you launch a store, and then you set up your social accounts, and then you you know you race forward. You guys went from the social accounts to the products, and then you race forward. So it's somewhat the uh, you know, other direction. Talk a bit about how you use social media, uh, you know, to launch your store as opposed to this normal route where you know people might set up the social media only only after things are up and running. Right, yeah. So we just kind of wanted to reverse engineer the process and we saw that social media was a huge driving factor um, to kind of build an organic engine for a lot of these stores. So we kind of started to build these social media accounts on Instagram to see if there was going to be audience engagement, if people were interested in it to begin with. And um, we wanted to just kind of test that to see if it was worthwhile before we put all of our effort into that specific niche. Yeah. And it g- kind of gave us the option to test a bunch of them to see what was the highest yeah, engaging, which kind of ones we could build a community around. We've, we've seen people blow thousands of dollars on Facebook ads in like a day or a few days trying to test products. And, yeah. you know, as kids who didn't have a lot of disposable income at the time, it's like, okay, well, we have to bootstrap this somehow. And what's the best way to do that? It's to, you know, go out and do something that's free, obviously. Right. And so with Instagram, you know, you can create as many accounts as you can get your hands right. on. Uh, and then from there, it's it's up to you. Yeah, you know, you got to put your time in and find posts that you can post on the account and then engage with people and grow it. But that's free. It's just your time. Right. Yeah. And so, like, you know, for us, it was more valuable to do that because, A, you're building an audience. And then, you know, maybe once you hit a thousand followers, you've kind of get that traction point of like, hey, this is kind of taken off. Um, so once we hit that and, and ended up seeing that, Instagram was kind of the way to go. 
we already had an audience built for when our store was launched. And from there, we decided to do a giveaway because um, yeah. we had like, what, 8,000, 7,000 followers yeah. at that point. It also, just to touch on just growing the Instagram first, it gives you better insight into your, first of all, your customers and then your, your business as a whole because you get to engage with your community and kind of see what they're after or what they'd be interested in um, to begin with. Right. So you well, have a better... The language they speak and all yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so... I think that's very useful in uh, creating a successful business. And then it helps you also determine your competitors, right? Like, yeah. you know, otherwise you're just going to be browsing for hours on end trying to find out who like the competitors are in the space. But if you're creating an Instagram account, well, you're going to see, well, I mean, they used to have the, the activity page or the right. activity tab where you could see like who liked whose photo mm-hmm. commented on that. So if you see someone that sounds like a business, you know, we would go in and we'd check them out and see like, okay, what are they doing right? What are they not doing well on here? Is their Instagram following fake because like we see people with like over a hundred thousand subscribers or, or followers on Instagram we go in and check their engagement rates and you're getting like 200 likes on a photo right. or one yeah. comment doesn't quite like, add up doesn't no, quite yeah, add up yeah. so you know okay our whole focus is like organic is the driver of everything like yeah we've got an email subscriber base now of like 60,000 plus the 34,000 on Instagram of real people right whereas you know, if you had bought a hundred thousand followers as bots, you're not getting any information out of that. Yeah, right? no, it's actually detrimental to your account just because now you're getting uh, lower engagement rates on your photos. Yeah. So with the algorithm, you're not going to be getting pushed to that higher tier of uh, viewership. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So by having those like seven or eight thousand followers, by the time Black Friday rolled around, we didn't have to create any campaigns that we put money into. Right? We just brainstormed like a really cool idea for how we would promote a product, and then did a giveaway and you know gained entries through that and uh, a lot of traffic through that and word of mouth entries and then you know people decided like hey yeah these guys look legit like yeah. we'll, we'll buy from them and like we want to win <laughs> the prize so, yeah definitely so it already had the organic base for us where we didn't have to put money into it and then anything we did make from there we we reinvested back into marketing I love a good giveaway. That's a hack that yeah. Yeah. everyone can use. We've heard, we've heard that a million times. Yeah, definitely. You got to differentiate yourself and you kind of got to incite, I guess, buzz around, yeah. uh, around yeah. your yeah. store, right? Yeah. So, so Rodney, you mentioned that um, you kind of have to you know, divorce yourself a little bit from the, the products that you're selling to not get too, uh, not right. get too tied up. That's interesting in, in the context of the different Instagram accounts that, that you all launched at the get-go. So I think, tell me if I'm missing anything here, but there were accounts for basketball, jewelry, fake house plants, yeah. tech gadgets, uh, holiday accessories, and then there was also one for fantasy gaming. Yeah. Um, so how did you come up with these, with these half dozen things? Were these things you were interested in or were these things that you heard other people talking about? What was the logic here? No, so there's just kind of there's buzz around them um, that we were researching and uh, just from going through Instagram and going through other advertisements on Instagram that we saw from other dropshippers, we were just kind of brainstorming at our place thinking of what kind of stuff would people be interested in and what kind of niches are people um, very involved in, right? So with basketball, like that's that's a niche that people are very kind of passionate about, right? So we were looking into that and we are kind of going off of the increasing trends within the NBA and how basketball was continually uh, growing exponentially each year. Um, and then from there, yeah, the other products. Like houseplants and tech gadgets. I mean, tech gadgets are always going to be around. Right. Uh, yeah. Of course, they pose problems in terms of electronics working properly when you're trying to drop ship from AliExpress or... Which we never really kind yeah, of consider. You know, I don't even know if you can like buy battery packs for charging stuff from there now. 
how like we looked into those. I don't and, think you like, can ship them. They didn't offer e-package shipping, and mm. like some of them just seem like very I don't know tough to do. But like then there's things like keyboards and mouses and stuff that you know more often than not they're probably gonna work. But you got to test them out yourself. Um, yeah. House plants. I mean, like my mom likes to have stuff around the house all the time, uh, and okay. I you know that like that demographic alone, right? The kind of like. Gen, I guess they're Gen X or whatever yeah. generation they are. Like <laughs> yeah. they'll they'll spend money on home decor like yeah. crazy. Like and then there's retail stores around where we live at home, and they like plants are like fifty dollars, a hundred dollars. We were realizing how much they were charging for yeah. these things and how much we could get them for on yeah. AliExpress, and it was just like the uh, the arbitrage opportunity was yeah insane. of like selling the accessories for them right like watering things or or um, I guess pots and whatever else hanging baskets like all all this stuff is out there and yeah you know the plants are continual like they gotta they always want more they always mm -hmm. want to redo their garden or they want to change things or they get Seasons, tired of, yeah yeah exactly there's so be between all these different niches that you guys were exploring was there one you were hoping was gonna end up being your winner? Like, um, where you have your fingers crossed for basketball? Or I mean, yeah, we, we're big fans of basketball, by, for sure, but we just didn't see it as being like the most penetrable Market. niche to get yeah. into. And so what were you looking at? So like, th this is interesting that, that you, know, you kind of looked at what happened to your account and, and determined, okay, this probably isn't gonna be for us. What were the, the signals that you were seeing there? I mean, just engagement and yeah. like how quickly the following was growing and if people were kind of- Tagging really friends or saving posts or sending posts to each other. Yeah, we were looking at the analytics and seeing what the engagement was like and if it was high quality engagement, right? Mm -hmm. Because we wanted to build something that was going to be long lasting versus just kind of a cheap, quick, um, like a fidget spinner where it'd be a, just a cheap, quick thing you make your money off of and then it kind of dies off after right. that. Like, we wanted to build something that was sustainable. So we had to make sure that our community was going to be rock solid. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what we went off yeah, of. Yeah, went off of that. And I mean, basketball's got a pretty rock solid community for sure, but it's very, um, you know, like segregated or, or people are diehard fans of this team or these players. And like, and then there's also a big, amount of accounts out there that are dedicated to basketball right. already like meme pages or yeah. I guess like yeah. other accounts like that or people that post just random videos so you're competing with those and not to say you can't compete with them but for us know, to begin with it was just yeah. it was a there was a lot more friction down that avenue. Yeah, and because we had multiple avenues to look into, we could quickly see like hey look these other ones are growing quite quick in comparison um, you know why do we why are we wasting our time? Like, let's get rid of this one. We've mm -hmm. narrowed it down. Uh, and, and then ultimately, yeah, got to where we were with the fantasy niche. Could you define what the fantasy niche is? Because the first time I read this, I thought, oh, fantasy sports? They have a fantasy sports website? But that's not it. So what, what is, what is broadly speaking, what is the fantasy? Uh, kind of like medieval. Like, yeah, like role-playing, RPG role-playing. Um, you know, immersive fantasy worlds kind immersive of thing. fantasy worlds. Yeah. Like stories, um, you know, people that are more involved in like the medieval style, um, think like Lord of the Rings, Lord or of the like, Rings, um, Game of Thrones, yeah. kind of all that Harry that, Potter, that kind of niche. Yeah. Okay. yeah. That kind of subset. Cool. And, and what was your experience with this Prior? heading into it? Uh, just fans of general, um, kind of fantasy, like movies or like video, video games, games when we were younger, like, like playing that, RuneScape yeah. or World of Warcraft when we were younger, kind of sparked okay. that. But um, when we grew up, we kind of fell out of that, but okay. we knew that there was a strong subset of people that were super, super passionate about it. And it's one of those niches that um, people that are invested in it are super, super invested into it. So. 
we kind of went with that. And so this idea of, of, the, of the audience being super invested, I think this is more important than a lot of people realize that you can have like a, a cool product, but if the target group for that product is kind of indifferent to it, then, mm-hmm. then you're gonna have a lot of, you know, use the word friction, I think it's a good word for it. It's gonna be, right. it's gonna be kind of swimming upstream. Whereas if you have a good product and then a target audience that's like, that is really dorky about it or right. that, you know, has all the gear or the, you know, they're just kind of like, they live this stuff. I guess that was part of the equation, right? Absolutely. I just, I think it's a lot easier to kind of move people down the conversion funnel when they are invested in something like their hobby, right? People are more likely to spend money on their hobbies um, versus anything else, right? That's something that brings joy to them. That's something that it kind of plays on their emotions because it's something that they get excited for. It's one of those things that when you're passionate about something, you don't really have an issue with spending money on it, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you went to a guy that loves fishing, he has no problem buying a $300 fishing rod, whereas he might have trouble or he might find friction with purchasing like an expensive dinner, right? right? So. There's two different avenues where he can spend his money, and one's a lot, a lot easier for him to spend his money on. Mm-hmm. So after you guys had the the niche figured out, and you knew you wanted to do, you know, this this fantasy thing that had this this fervent fan base, you populated your store with a bunch of products that were that were low cost and kind of a little bit easier to move. So you were able to kind of see some immediate sales, immediate returns, and you knew, you know, you had a proof of concept. Okay, this works. And then, you know, over time, you evolved the the kind of low cost, high volume equation into products that cost a little bit more. Maybe they're a little bit more complicated to sell, but you know, if strategically it was it was a good decision for you guys. Talk about that evolution going from, you know, just trying to push as many smaller sales as you could, getting into things that uh, you know, each item costs cost a bit more. Yeah, this is a bit of a funny story how yeah. it all kind of played out cuz uh, honestly anything that could go wrong for us went wrong. Um, so you know, with Black Friday, we started with a giveaway campaign and, you know, things kind of blossomed from there. And, you know, we went from like 3,000 in November in revenue to like 60 or 70,000 in December and then 100 in January. And this was like, so this would have been like 2018, 2019? Yeah, 2018, okay. 2019. Cool. Cool. Uh, and then uh, Black Friday or after Black Friday, Christmas, the new year, great. Uh, January rolls around and then comes Chinese New Year. And uh, we've never been affected by Chinese New Year in our life. And no. <laughs> everything yeah. came crashing down it's not top of mind not right? top of mind <laughs> no. like we get messaged by our supplier saying like hey gonna be away for like the next three to four weeks uh, no nothing's gonna be shipped not taking orders and we're just like oh my god like what do we pure do? panic mode pure yeah. panic mode how, um, many, how many sales are you sitting on at this point? we were doing around a thousand orders a day at this time so yeah. <laughs> it was we yeah we hit our first like fifteen thousand dollar day in revenue in january like right before chinese new year and we were just we didn't we didn't know what to do so out of desperation when we got home from hawaii uh at the end of january beginning of february my parents ended up going to Mexico. So Rodney came to my parents' house. I went back to my parents' house. We lived there for like a week and worked from like 10 a.m. to 4 a.m. every day, restructuring our entire website, going with a pro template that we really, really thought would be cool for our store. Doing pricing structures. Redoing the entire pricing structure. Um, Thinking of new promotions, thinking of new ways to kind of just restructure the business. We were also under audit from American Express with our credit card that got locked out. Our Facebook ads account had been banned for like the third or fourth time by that point and PayPal had had frozen our account. So we were in like fight or flight mode at this point Uh uh, and we were like, okay, we can do the customer service for all these people that are waiting for their orders like we'll just have to get through that that's you know we don't have a choice at this point and what would be more important to us is you know keep them as potential returning customers by giving good customer support or do we just like 
cancel the store and we're like no we can still do this we know it works yeah um so then we were like why are we not moving to like higher ticket items as well Um, yeah because we were going through at the time like pages and pages each day of customer service emails because we were doing the lower ticket items Mm -hmm. and we started to see kind of the inefficiencies in our business with that because it it worked at the beginning because we were able to capture all of these emails and customer uh, data and information which was super 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 useful yeah set us up for the rest of this year essentially digital gold right now right so we got to the point where we're like we've established our customer base and we've kind of collected this this huge organic following and now we need to kind of move into stuff that is gonna be less work on our end and ultimately more profitable Mm -hmm. with the, the higher ticket items yeah and then kind of from there it just stemmed out like why are we not going into other types of accessories that we think these people would like? Because we were mm-hmm. kind of essentially operating like a one product store. Yeah. We had a few products, but really nothing crazy. One main product. One and main product. And then we're like, you know what? No, like there's so much other stuff we can do here. Um, yeah, so let's, let's get into high ticket, but then let's also, or higher ticket, but let's also f- kind of expand horizontally at the same time. Yeah, and just kind of create a full immersive experience on our site versus just come here once, buy a product and then leave. Yeah. So we wanted to, we wanted people to stick around essentially. Do you have any, any sense that the, the original strategy wasn't the right one? Like that you should have been doing high ticket all along or was this, this process of getting the emails, getting the data, yeah. getting the momentum, like was that super valuable? I think that was super valuable. Yeah. yeah. In hindsight, like definitely could have been done differently to like focus on the higher ticket items for sure. But because we didn't launch our black, we didn't launch any campaign until like November 24th or 25th of last year, whatever, like the couple days before Black Friday weekend was. Yeah. So we were really late to the game and it was a scramble for us. And we were just like, we just got to get something going to see if there's like, you know, legitimate traction. There's something and, here. Yeah. And so our, our kind of main goal was like, sure. Yeah. You know, if we make sales and generate revenue, that's awesome. And that's a goal for sure. But more importantly, you know, we have the opportunity to collect emails and get people to go to our Instagram and follow us there and like yeah. kind of build the community side of things because we knew if this worked now, then we have the entire year to prepare for next Black Friday and the holiday season. And like we have all of that time to figure out, yeah, the inefficiencies in our business, kind of think bigger picture or longer term of how we want to approach this and, and turn it into a sustainable business. And so this this idea of capturing emails and, and getting followers on Instagram, I think it's great and everybody should be doing that. But I, I'm sympathetic if there's anybody listening to this and they're thinking like, there's no money there. Like pick, nobody's paying me to follow me on Instagram. Right, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not getting money. Like, what could you tell somebody who's thinking that, you know, to reassure them that this is a, it's a maybe a slow play, but like, right. So I do think, it. I think this comes back to our philosophy of uh, delayed gratification yeah, delayed versus instant gratification. gratification. Yeah. Right. So you're not going to see an instant return from kind of people following you on Instagram or people subscribing to your email list. But ultimately the back end is where you're going to make your money with your returning customers. And it's uh, kind of an organic engine that you can continually utilize to, to churn uh, advertisements to people for essentially like free. free. You're just paying, you're just paying for the email subscription or, uh, or entirely free on Instagram. Right. Like, right. We like to post new products on Instagram and behind the content that we post in like a carousel format or on our stories and then taking polls and yeah, you know, gathering like, customer information, customer uh, kind of um, ideas on the aesthetics that they're looking for in our products, which is huge market research opportunities for mm-hmm. us as yeah, well. Yeah, we want to be integrated entirely within like their world mm-hmm. um, because. Mm-hmm. You know, you can only do so much YouTube and blog research or Reddit research, but like to get direct feedback is 
It's like being on the ground level. Yeah, right? yeah. Being on the ground level, seeing it for yourself and then, you know, making, making informed decisions from there and kind of deciding, looking back at the data we've collected over the past year and, and kind of seeing like, okay, you know, how does this information line up with what we've achieved already? And, and is there anything here that we think we could push into like more of a custom piece Yeah, uh, and, and then get that out there? Yeah. And it kind of goes back to as well with capturing the email subscribers and the Instagram too. You kind of, you utilize Facebook and Instagram advertising or we say Google PPC and you get those you have to pay for each customer that you're acquiring right but once mm -hmm. you pay for those people if you can retain them you can advertise to them essentially for the rest of their life yeah the, the lifetime value of the customer could be thousands of dollars before yeah. you know it mm -hmm. right like we've mm -hmm. had people spend over 500 dollars on our store now yeah like multiple people right uh, multiple times multiple yeah. times like they're they're returning customers over and over again whenever we release like new items that they're super excited on mm -hmm. You know, well, and then so we've already paid to acquire that customer, and so now we have them for, for yeah. free, right? Yeah. And within that too, you know, running email campaigns is so targeted because, like, you know for sure these people are interested if they're staying on there. We like to offer discounts within our email campaign that you only get by signing up for it, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. it kind of adds that extra layer of, um, I, I guess, like the funnel for people. It's like, okay, they're already super targeted. They want to be on here. Let's, what can we do to entice them to buy? And now we have a bigger budget essentially for advertising, if you will, uh, because we're not trying to acquire them anymore. So we can afford to give them a discount that's a little bit heavier than what we would normally promote for. And as well as just uh, with the email campaigns, providing value within them is huge for retaining your customer base and not having them unsubscribe and actually having them engage with your products. Right? What does that look like in the fantasy space? Like what's, yeah, what's so, adding value? So right now we work with uh, a blog writer and he is producing what? Four blogs for us now? Two blogs, but we get like three to four posts a week ranging from like a thousand to 5,000 words. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and then a podcast that we've partnered with as well. Okay. Um, and he's grown like crazy. So yeah. You know. So we're just kind of engaging that uh, and within or incorporating yeah, that within we, our email. We put campaigns. that in the email campaign each week. We do a little excerpt from the blog posts. Okay, uh, cool. You know, click here to read more um, podcasts. Like here's the title of it. Here's like a quick description of it. You know, click here to to listen to it. Um, and yeah, we add things like obviously new products in there, um, do a little quick caption in the beginning about, you know, here's what this week's email campaign is all about, or here's what you can expect in the, the coming weeks, you know, uh, uh, stay subscribed to us and you'll, you'll, you'll see what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, we like to generate excitement and kind of like, you know, build the hype around stuff just cause you know, that's what they want. Right. So. Yeah. They want the full experience. Also just to match with that as well. We've created a persona that uh, is kind of like the figurehead of our company. And he's as well, just like a fantasy character that we've created. So oh, it's a more okay, intimate cool. thing with the emails. So it's like, it's coming from- Are they sent from him? They're yeah. sent from him. Yeah, and exactly. We so. get addressed as him when emails come back <laughs> or on yeah. Instagram. But that's, you know, people cool. resonate more with someone that's like actual figurehead as opposed to business. like just the business. Right. So we think it's more, you know, uh, personalized, personalized, yeah. Cool. Intimate, yeah. So so you, you'll have emails that you send out that don't have products, don't have discounts, don't have any, like you're not pushing anything, it's just 
No, no, we combine it all together. Okay. So yeah. each week it's like, yeah, the quick ex excerpt from the, the persona that we've created, him kind of just explaining new items that he, they've, we've acquired essentially, how we got them, making up a backstory about it, uh, mm -hmm. and then we'll post those items below. Like a fantasy story. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We create a story with everything. All of our products have a backstory. Okay. Like we want it to be as immersive as possible, right? Like, cool. you know, come here. We want you to read about it. We want you to get excited about Stay these on the things. Site. Stay yeah. on the site. Uh, yeah, and then work out with us exactly, and then yeah, absolutely, you know, because we at the time when we partnered with the blog writer and the podcast guy, uh, we didn't have the money to be like, hey, we can sponsor you or pay for you to write for us or, or be on your or podcast. hire someone full time and or hire them. someone full time. So we just kind of were like, look, we have all this exposure on our email campaigns, and we get this much site traffic. Or what we've had. This is what we've had in site traffic over the last few months. Right. Um, here's our Instagram as well. Like you guys already follow us on there, as well as just experience growing Instagram and social media accounts too. Yeah. Like, so we we offered them. We're like, look, we'll put you on all these mediums in exchange for you know doing the work for us, as in like writing the blog post, letting us put it on our website, or making us a sponsor and organically putting our name into the podcast. Mm -hmm. And yeah, this guy's grown from like 200 followers in May or June to like yeah. almost 10,000 now. And he's fully, fully into creating the podcast oh, as well. Awesome. Like he's, he's, he's a genius. He's like, a genius. Yeah. He's super, super cool guy. And he's super, we, super we love motivated. We him. love yeah. work. Every, we meet with him about once a month and like just over Skype. And, uh -huh. you know, we leave that meeting more motivated oh, cool. <laughs> for like the yeah. coming months. Cause like he gives us ideas that like we wouldn't necessarily think about off, mm -hmm. off the top of our heads or like mm -hmm. even if we're brainstorming. So he's into this stuff like religiously. And for us, we're like, this couldn't go any better because we're loyal to each other. We've helped each other grow mutually mm -hmm. uh, and, and then we just enjoy working with each other like we yeah. kind of we, we share the same vision say, yeah we share the same vision so you two have done something that a lot of e-commerce entrepreneurs and a lot of dropshippers do and that's live this this digital nomad life where you know any place with a wi-fi connection that becomes your office you've you've did this uh tour of asia uh you've you know went to Hawaii, you're currently, you know, on a, on a big swing through Europe. Yeah. Um, all the while you've been, you know, running your store, growing things. Um, what's, uh, what's this experience been like to you? What's this, this digital nomad existence like for anybody who, who thinks that that's, uh, that sounds all right. Yeah. I mean, ultimately that was our, our biggest yeah. motivation, uh, into getting into this space just because we wanted the time freedom. We wanted the location freedom and we wanted the financial freedom. Right. So this, this, uh, I guess job, if you will, or career, it offered us that. So that's what drove us into kind of wanting to get into drop shipping and uh, having a business model that we could run from our laptops and our, our smartphones, right? Yeah, definitely. Like just this, this is the life we've always wanted. I mean, being able to wake up and do whatever you want. Of course, we're working every day still. We also run a, a marketing agency on the side. Um, so like we've got clients and responsibilities there, but you know, having these two businesses that are entirely done from the laptop is like, we couldn't ask for anything more because, you know, it allows us the opportunity to continually learn and adapt and find new ways to solve problems. But then from there, now we've added the travel aspect of like living abroad, working abroad and figuring out ways to tackle problems while we're not in the comfort of our own home. Because yeah, ultimately we want to continue traveling, but like we have to make sure that we can, you know, stick up to our responsibilities on one end, but then also enjoy the travels and the life side of it at the same time. Definitely. I think it's good for giving uh, a new perspective on things as well when you're traveling around and you're working, just because you see things from a different perspective. Whereas if you're kind of in the stagnation of your own home, you're seeing the same kind of thing every day, day in and day out. 
it gives you just a chance to see see things from a different point of view, and uh, that can apply to your business as well. Have you have you applied stuff that you've seen abroad to? I mean, have have you had new concepts or new you know? seen stuff that you have indeed implemented into your definitely yeah Yeah. like just like general aesthetics uh for websites or just for stuff that we've seen while we're traveling um like different types of advertisements yeah yeah exactly so we've we went and we explored a bunch of castles uh in europe and we got to kind of experience that and just okay how can we apply this to our store how can we utilize this aesthetic or like this story or this background that's fantasy so that was a big thing for Uh, us is like we got to see some of these like sweep and it's just been a dream of mine to come over and like see those types of of buildings Mm -hmm. right so that and it's also good too just um kind of stepping out of our i guess eco chamber of me and corey and myself uh, because when you're in the middle of it and you're working and you're kind of in this routine, it's hard to see the inefficiencies within your routine mm-hmm. when you're in the middle of it. So traveling and kind of moving locations and being able to have like a mental reset or taking a step back gives you um, kind of an outward uh, look into the inefficiencies that yeah, you're currently like experiencing. We were working six and a half days a week before we came on this trip to Europe, partially because we knew we had to get a lot of work done to automate things on the back end, but that was also just kind of like what we had adapted to. Yeah. And coming here, we realized quickly, like, we were working way too much. And yeah, I mean, in the beginning, you got to put those hours in and do the 16, 20 hour days and like figure out those problems. But you know, we thought we had a routine that was bulletproof. Um, mm-hmm. And it turns out that once we got this outside perspective, looking back or taking time away from that routine, we realized like, no, we're, we are being efficient. Yeah. And we're working hard, but we could be doing it better. Uh, we could be know. much more efficient and not, uh, not burning ourselves out as much, which is, I think a huge key where people kind of get this uh, perspective that you need to be working like 20 hours a day and just grinding it out, grinding it out. But at the same time, if you want to be truly proactive and kind of use your foresight correctly into what you can take this business to, um, you have to have that to- that downtime. You to gotta kind be of able reflect. to think, and you ha- have to have a, a brain that's functioning at the most optimal level, right? Like yeah. we we work with a friend at home who's helping us with our diet and workout regime and trying to like you know our sleep schedules because at first we we're all you know gung-ho about working as hard as possible, putting right. as many hours in, like working at another job before we went and did this, decided to do it full time. Yeah. We stopped going to the gym. We we're just eating unhealthy because we one eat meal all the day. time. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Just like stuffing ourselves at one meal a day. Drinking, drinking like three to four coffees a day. Just right. And getting in that. Yeah. It, it's doable for sure. Cause it got us through the hardest part in the beginning, but it's not sustainable, right? Mm-hmm. Like we didn't feel good. We felt like we had a lot of brain fog. Um, yeah. Very lethargic, very lethargic. And like, you know, your motivation kind of slowly dwindles out from there because you wake up every day and you're just in this cycle of like, okay, I just got <laughs> 16 more hours to go. Yeah, yeah. Like there's it's no one end thing, in sight. Sorry. Yeah. There's one thing about, um, this, this sort of job versus a, you know, a, a nine to five job. I mean, like the nine to five job has a million drawbacks. And I think that's why so many people are, are interested in dropshipping because they don't right. have to work for somebody. They don't have to go to the office that there's, you know, there's a lot more freedom, Definitely. but, but on the other side of that, like, because you don't have Monday to Friday, nine to five, yeah. then maybe Saturday becomes also a work day or, or yeah. you work till like you were saying 16 hours. Like <laughs> yeah. you know, if, if it's 10 o'clock in the morning till two o'clock in the evening. Right. Um, 
you know, essentially there's no barriers unless you set them for yourself. Right. Because yeah. issues can come up at any point in time or emails are going to be coming in or mm -hmm. you can essentially be working on it 24 seven right. if you want to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Never it's, done. It's, it's never ending. Yeah. yeah. So you really have to set those boundaries for yourself and kind of uh, incorporate a healthy regime and lifestyle into it. So you can work as efficiently and as uh, long term as possible because realistically you can't you can't work like that for a year two years straight you're just going to burn yourself out and it, it's not going to work out so what's one thing then if somebody's scaling up they maybe they they cracked through this 15 hour day mm -hmm. you know at the beginning uh, routine and now they they want to do something that's more sustainable what's what's one thing that they that they definitely need to do to not head down this, you know, burnout road? Uh, I'd say build out systems. Yeah. Like just go through the processes that you're going through on a day-to-day -day basis and see what you can automate, right? See what you can um, kind of reduce in terms of bottlenecks and inefficiencies and how you can utilize technology to your advantage to kind of make your whole job easier. Yeah, yeah. Build out those systems and, you know, as applicable it is to your business, do it for your life as well, right? Like mm -hmm. we focus on meal prepping because used to take us like maybe an hour to cook and eat a meal entirely. But if we have meals ready to go in the fridge or the freezer, you know, we don't have to think about that. And then coming up with the, the proper system for your daily routine, right? Like have things that you get done each and every day. That's mm -hmm. part of the system, right? Make sure that you incorporate some sort of physical activity or exercise because it gets your brain going as well. Like, you know, improved cognitive improved function. Cognitive, yeah. Im yeah. Focus on improving your cognitive function. And like, yeah that all comes back from these systems, right? Mm -hmm. You know what's gonna work for you, find out what it is that works for you, implement it, and then you know build off of there. Yeah, especially utilizing like uh, proper structure in your life, you reduce the amount of decision fatigue as well, right? So we were coming to that point too, where it's like, we have so much stuff to do, but we don't know what to do first. So mm -hmm. it's, it's just super overwhelming if you're not sure what to attack first, because you just see this mountain of tasks. And it's like, where do I even start, <laughs> yeah. right? So I think for people, if you can kind of segment that out and um, like visualize it, like we utilize a whiteboard and we use that all the time where we write down tasks that need to be done for the day, what, what is the, the level of importance and what needs to be done first, and we get those done in order just so yeah. we know what we you have know, to do. If right? you're able to cross them off and you have the longer term ideas on the board, well, hey, you freed up time, now you can actually approach this problem now mm -hmm. as opposed to waiting until it's too late or you have to react to an issue that, that it Versus you know. being proactive. Yeah. And this is a literal whiteboard. Or oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. No, yeah. 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 A literal cool. whiteboard yeah. by hand. Uh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. physically cross it off. Yeah, yeah. as much satisfying. as it is online, it is nice <laughs> to be able to write in a journal or have a whiteboard that you yeah. can put things on and, I don't know, crossing something off or erasing it just feels so good. It's different yeah. than moving it to a different part of your Trello yeah, board. Exactly. You definitely get to cross it off. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one thing I'm curious about, I mean, you guys spend a lot of time together, traveling, working. I mean, you guys are, are, are tight. Do you ever get at each other's throats? Uh, definitely. Yeah. Like, but I mean, we're both very rational people, so yeah. it's not for more than like an hour or two where it's like, I don't know, we're not acting or we both act in ways where it's like we can rationalize our point of view to the other person so we can kind of understand them. And then after a little while, they'll agree or you'll just yeah. kind of get over it. Yeah. But yeah, like, we have the same mindset on essentially everything. There's obviously little things where like here and there we should do this or we should do that. But then it's like, okay, you know what? Here's your idea. Here's mine. Let's talk about them and then see which one prevails. The uh, thing is, yeah, we're both aware of our kind of our weaknesses and our strengths. So we both kind of play on that and we're just, we're open to listening and communication with each other because if you get too kind of hard headed, it's hard to work with people because mm -hmm. 
you're always going to hit that stagnation point if yeah, you can't come to an agreement, you know, right? A lot of our friends back home are very, very close-minded in terms of, you know, all trying to start a business themselves or, or ourselves, you know, and, and seeing that happening. But not just that, but in, like, you know, politics or in sports or music. And we're like, why? Like, we you know, the whole world's out there and you're only committing yourself to this one little pocket. And mm -hmm. for us, we want to expand our minds and continue to like grow and find things that are, you know, issues within ourselves. And then we can address them with each other, or with the people that we work with. Mm -hmm. um, and from there, yeah, we just want to continually learn and grow. And so to do that, you have to be as open-minded as possible and you have to have good communication. Like, yeah, like we said, we're definitely. in an echo chamber between ourselves, but at the same time, you know, we can brainstorm like crazy an entire day. And then there's days where it's like, you know, maybe we didn't have such a good day or we lost money on bad advertising or bad sales. So like, yeah, we're obviously moody, but things need <laughs> yeah. to get done. So you got to hold each other accountable. Right. Yeah. Which is, which is huge too. Just having another person to work with that has like, they share the same vision as you. It ultimately makes it a lot easier because you see that grand vision, um, kind of in your head and these little inefficiencies or these little issues aren't, are just, they're, they're not a, they're not a problem yeah. in and the grand scheme of you're things. You're not tackling them alone. Right. So like he's got his perspective, I've got mine yeah. more often than not, they're like similar, but sometimes they're entirely different. And then mm -hmm. from there it's like, okay, well, <laughs> if I was doing it alone, I would go down the rabbit hole of what I thought was right, but it could be completely wrong. And then I'd have to come all the way back and retry another one. Whereas here now we can kind of like brainstorm, put a few ideas together and then cross off the ones that we think are like kind of stupid or not going to work at all but yeah or even just collaborative uh, research is, yeah. is huge uh, because we can we have two people that we can go into something and say okay I went down this this kind of line and you went down this line what did you find out and what works from that, yeah. that perspective and what it, does it allows us to split up a lot of the work we do too right like yeah. everything he does you know I can do and vice versa essentially but why we don't necessarily need to do it at the same time, right? Or like have at least an intro into what each other's kind of main responsibilities are. Mm -hmm. And then from there it's okay. Yeah. If you really can't do anything, I can help you out or, or he can help me out. Um, but then you're not focused like, okay, I have all this work to do for this. And then I have to focus on this. And it's like, okay, we can split it up. We can get things done throughout the day. And then we can have a, a think tank kind of afternoon and just chill out and relax and then yeah. focus on the bigger task at hand. It gives us the ability to be a lot more precise as well with our work, just because we can go down um, specialization um, kind of chambers. I mm -hmm. guess no. we can go down yeah. specialization Factors. You can specialize. We can specialize. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but then we can specialize. So uh -huh. it, it gives us the opportunity to do that and kind of have someone else go over your work and kind mm -hmm. of give a different perspective as well. So, yeah, and then we learn cool. from each other too, right? Like mm -hmm. that's the ultimate. It's like now you know we're not stuck with just one person running the business. That where you're not able to ask someone else for help or to review something or mm -hmm. run an idea by them. So I think that's like one of the most beneficial parts of finding a business partner that is on the same page with everything, right? Like our mm -hmm. financial literacy, we like to grow and learn that stuff together, but we've been frugal our whole lives trying to save money and invest money. So having that mindset right out of the bat or right out of the gate is super important because, you know, you could have a partner that wants to get paid week in and week out from the business, whereas we just want to reinvest and, and mm -hmm. put it all back in and grow it yeah. to like the top that we can because we know we haven't even scratched the surface yet. Like there's yeah. so much more work that we can be done. There's but so just, much more money on the table. It's just a matter of like time and figuring out all these problems ahead of us. Yeah. All right, so one thing uh, before I let you go uh, that I like to ask people is something that they know now 
that they didn't know when they when they got into e-commerce. So is there anything that, uh, you know, for, for people who are just getting started, any wisdom that you would impart onto them that you've uh, that you've picked up over the years? Yeah, be um, ready to sacrifice. Yeah, sacrifice is definitely needed, um, especially if you're trying to do this properly. People that support you yeah. or think you that they support you, you know, you'll kind of come to this divisive line of, okay, who actually is supporting you and is okay not seeing you for multiple months at a time? Uh, and, and who's not, right? Like who thinks that you guys are trying to ditch them or not be friends with them anymore? It's, you know, we're, we're trying to work to our goals and you got to realize that there's a point in your life where it comes to, do you want to make other people happy around you or do you want to be happy yourself? And for us, you know, we, we want to achieve what we want to achieve. And if you're not able to support that, then it's, you know, there, there's no beneficial part to having you dragging us down at that time. Definitely. Yeah. And it's, it kind of, it's the mindset change of making decisions based on what others are kind of wanting of you and what, what you want for yourself and what you truly kind of want to do. Right. So that'll, that'll bring a lot of, uh, kind of mental and social, uh, negativity into your life as well with, with that sacrifice, right? Because not everyone's going to understand what you're doing and not everyone's going to understand your regime or like your new lifestyle, right? So ultimately you have to kind of ask yourself, is, is that what you're willing to, to do to, to yeah. get to this point, right? So it's kind of isolating in a way. Definitely. Definitely yeah. yeah. I mean, like we had mentioned, we feel like we're living in an echo chamber between each other because, you know, at home there's no one doing what we're doing, um, or we haven't met them yet. Uh, but since being out here in Berlin, you know, we've been able to connect with two other people that are in the industry and like mm -hmm. you develop relationships with them immediately because they know <laughs> they exactly what you're <laughs> yeah. talking about. Yeah. And they've all been through the same thing. And that's kind of that is the one thing that like, you know, you can do all the business research you want, but until you actually live it and experience it for yourself, nothing can really prepare you for that. And, and that just adds to, you know the difficulty of getting the business off the ground is having that social and mental aspect kind of in the background that you're trying to deal with as well. While it's hard enough. It's hard enough <laughs> while yeah. you're trying to solve this puzzle. Yeah. yeah. And you have so, those factors thrown in there too. Uh, it makes but it then it comes to the point of like, all right, you know what? Well, <laughs> certain things have happened, you know, you move on with your life and, and now it's just full steam ahead with achieving our goals. Yeah, definitely. And it's just sky's the limit from here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Corey, Rodney, we can leave it there. Thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. It was fantastic. All right, David here. Thanks again to Rodney and Corey for joining us. And thanks to you as well for sticking around. If you're looking for more episodes of Start Yours, you can find them wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be releasing more. So be sure that you subscribe so that you don't miss out on any of the fun stuff that we have coming up. And of course, we'd be thrilled if you took a moment to rate and review the podcast. That is super helpful. Also, Overload.com has you covered for blog posts, eBooks, and other goodies on e-commerce and starting a business. And you can find Overlow on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Finally, if you wanna reach us via email, you can do so at podcast at overlow.com. Again, it's podcast at overlow.com. Thanks, talk to you soon.